Hey. I just realized this is what I was going so I need the uh, bifocals, you know, so we, I can see out of 50 now. <laughs> I haven't gotten it yet. I have my bifocal sunglasses, but uh, it doesn't work here either. So you're all kind of a little blurry, so if you can smile, I'm okay. Uh, so I wanted to share a story that happened just yesterday, because uh, it really, I, I was reminded that this kind of experience doesn't happen often in our society today because as most of you notice when you go out in the public, you go to a restaurant, I remember sitting on a trolley noticing this, everyone has their heads in their phone. You're sitting next to this whole group of people and no one is speaking to each other. And me, the extrovert that I am, you know, I just want to chat with people that are near me. But yeah, you sit down and everyone just sits on their phone. You go out to restaurants and you'll see a whole table of people together and they're all on their phone. So alone together, right? That's how they are. So this, this thing happened yesterday. I was at a, I was at CrossFit Art Walk. I volunteered at that yesterday. And it was really good issue because they moved me from thing to thing. So I was at one place, and they said, oh no, we need you down the other one. So I walked to the other end of the place. Was there, and like, oh no, and they said, we need you back to the other one. So I went three different times, I went between these two places. But in the second move, I was there, I'm standing there, and so my, my job was uh, pouring wine. That was my job. Uh, I was supposed to be putting wristbands on, that's what I signed up for. And I said, I'm good at that, because I do kids' camps, and we always put wristbands on kids, so I'm good at that one. But uh, I ended up being like, the woman next to me, she was, she was pouring the beer, uh, she was next to me, and she said, she, I was talking about the wristbands and working at kids. She goes, oh, what kids' camps do you do? I said, well, I'm a kids' pastor. She goes, oh, what church? I'm looking for a church. I live in Lucania. And it's like, well, and I got to share about the people I get to do church with. And about this community and how much I love this community, how welcoming, how friendly. I talked about our pastor. I was like, oh. and so I got to share with her. And she told me, you know, as I said, she goes, in two weeks, so not not telling me, we have, so I will be there. Oh. And so and then by the end of the day, she goes, did you come back and say goodbye to me? Because I got moved together. <laughs> so it was just felt like 20 minutes. We stood next to each other and we had that conversation. And I walked by the end and she said, did you come to say goodbye to me? And I said, yeah, on my way out. She's just like, I'll be there. I'll be there. So very good. So I need this hat. So when she comes to meet her that day, you show her. You show her the wise edge welcome. Because I, I got to share with her because it's something I really love about this church, about the sense of community here. Uh, it's interesting in the in Psalm, there's a verse. And as you're listening to this verse, and certainly this is not how it was written, but I wondered, is this verse a verse about my phone. Listen to this. Psalm 139, 2 and 3. You know when I sit down and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm in the phone with like, it's time to move, it's time to get up. Oh, this is how you slept last night, right? It's amazing, you know, how much you know. You talk about something to a friend, and all of a sudden you're seeing ads coming up for that thing you were just talking about. It's kind of weird, but um, I, you got to show that, like, this is pretty amazing uh, here. So I just want to talk about today, we're going to talk about uh, technology, safety technology, but I want to start with the why. Why do we talk about this? Why is that an important topic for us to talk about? 
So when I first want to start out, our kids are valued by God, and we as parents and aunts and uncles and grandma and grandpas, we have the responsibility to help them in this journey, to help raise them as they walk with Jesus. Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7 says, These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk with them when you sit at home, and when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get out, it's like all the time. First Peter 5, 2 speaks to all of us as well here. It says, be shepherd of God's flock that is under your care. Watch over them, watch over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing this last game, but eager to serve. I want to share with you, this is the world we live in. So the whole point of talking about technology is not to say, strip it all away, they can't use it, put it in a bubble, because this is their world. And there certainly are some benefits to technology. All of us, how many of you see those benefits in your work life? Yes. Like, we all see them, right? So there's certainly benefits, but there's some things that are going to be difficult um, that are challenges as we raise our kids and we think about technology. Our job is to figure out how to help our children benefit from the high-tech tools and make sure that they are taking time to play and to learn uh, things that contribute to their health and their growth. So it's a challenge. And it's certainly a, di it's a different challenge today than to say was when my kids were little. And we have video games in, and I'll talk a little bit something that later, but it's not what the world is today. And then we had COVID, which dumped people into the whole world of technology. They're on the screens all day, schools on screens, all the relationships are on screens, everything. And it's funny because I started doing this research back pre-COVID, and then as this came up, I'm like, no, this is just making the problem much, much worse. So today, uh, there's a quote I wanted to say. Stephen Covey said, if we do not teach our children, society will, and they and we will live with the results. We have a responsibility. This one reminds us that technology is rapidly changing. So even today, you know, as I was kind of going over things, we're going like, some of these, some of these stats can even be different now than they were when I first put this together a few weeks ago. Right? I mean, it is amazing how quick things change. You look at kind of the social media, you know? Like, Facebook was the thing for a while, right? And now, like, if I do target anybody's on Facebook anymore, right? So now, we're TikTok, we're Instagram, we're doing a bunch of different things. And, you know, probably another six months from now, it's going to look very different than that. So it's, it's changing. Um, so, and we also have to know that kind of research is lagging. So as we look at all these, all this stuff, we don't know the impact it's going to have on our kids in the future. We're trying, we're thinking, people are trying, they're doing research, they're trying to catch up, but it's lagging. We don't know. I keep saying we don't know the, the outcome, what the results are going to be from the kids that went through COVID and did all their learning online. We don't know the long-term effects of that time yet. So today we're going to engage around um, our changing technological world we're going to just talk about some of those things that are kind of, oh, that's, that's happening today. Uh, potential problems for our children, potential, prob uh, potential benefits for our children, and I would say uh, this also relates to us as adults too, uh, to these problems and the benefits as well. 
and that what we can do to help our kids navigate this world because it is their world. The, the point today is not to just pull it all out because it's what they live in and what they live with. And we have to help them learn how to navigate that. What we won't talk about today, but our big issues, and I would say there may be time when we decide let's have a parent roundtable uh, some evening and talk about some of these other things, because these are important things to talk about, and especially with our kids as well. We're not going to be talking specifically about cyberbullying, pornography, sexting, online predators, and those of you who've got my email or read the email, um, I have a resource there with all kinds of resources for you that kind of deal with some of those issues. If you didn't get the email, I have some copies of that on the table out there, that resource page. I also have all the books um, that I referenced in that sheet that I sent home, I have books on the table, so feel free to look those over and kind of check them out. I have two kind of books out there for little kids to read, begin this conversation early, uh, and we need to begin these conversations early. So let's talk about the digital age, what does that look like? The average kid in the U.S. gets a smartphone, and some of my kids here will go like, what? <laughs> I'm 10? No, um, the average kid in the U.S. gets their, get their smartphone at 10 which means some of them are getting them younger, right? And some older. Uh, this is according to Common Sense Media. 53% of 11-year-olds have smartphones. 69% of 12-year-olds have smartphones. 72% of 13-year-olds have smartphones. 89% of 13 to 17-year-olds have smartphones. And 95% of that group have access to all kinds of apps, so the popular social media platforms, whatever those are, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook. Uh, what's, what's your favorite out there? Cam favorite? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get that. All right. Uh, but I want you to think about this. We give kids these phones. We give kids these phones. Now think about it. how many of you remember junior high? Like painful. You're not painful, right? Uh, some of you remember better than others of us, right? Um, so we have you know, self-esteem and feeling like you measure up or you don't measure up, a lot of comparisons going on. I mean, it can be brutal in junior high school. But think about this. We give them this little device that they carry around with them all the time that tells them how many more friends someone has than they do. It tells them how po more popular someone is than they are how many more followers they have than someone else, and precisely how they measure up. Who's more popular, who's better looking, who got invited to the pool parties, who's more creative. We carry, they carry this around in their pocket at all times. And I will speak to social media because I said, well, I'm gonna tell you later, like, no social media before 13 at least. And then social media after that, limited. So one to two hours a day, because it can be brutal. They can. And the thing is, your kids don't have to be going to look for it. The bad stuff looks for that. And we have to be mindful of that. The average, uh, the average adolescent sends 60 texts a day. 60 texts a day. Remember, I was going to say, imagine it's for 13 for social media apps. Really, that's the law. You're not supposed to be able to get on social media before 13. Uh, and you know, they'll always ask you that, how old are you? And that little nine-year-old can say, 13. 
you know? And that's all it takes. There's no verification. You know, it's just there and they can get on. So parents, we have to be mindful of that. Children under two, under two, are spending 53 minutes a day watching TV or videos and only 29 minutes a day being read to. The typical three-year-old spends on an average of four hours with technology and its use is increasing. Elementary kids spend an average of eight hours a day. You see that being increased because a lot of people are using, using media now in school and screens and tablets. How many, I like my granddaughter is given a tablet. When she goes start to elementary school, she's in third grade, they give them a tablet, they go on to the school, and they use that for everything. So eight hours a day um, for elementary age kids. The older in that group um, is more like 11 hours a day. 65% of elementary kids in the, in the U.S. have a television set in their bedrooms. Please take them out if you're one of them. All right. <laughs> Um, it, it's just like in the private, in that dark, quiet, lonely space, that's where a lot of trouble happens. So I would always say, you know, no screens, no phones, anything connected in the bedrooms. Let's take that out of those private spaces. Now, some people said like, well, you can put a phone like on a dresser, like over here, but not like right next to their head. So they're constantly getting woken up by text messages which are coming in at 3 a.m. All right, today's college student has watched and spent less than 5,000 hours reading in his or her life up to that point. But over 10,000 hours playing video games, not to mention 20,000 hours watching television or streaming media. Big, big balance there. So that's kind of what it's looking like. You can tell my, my, my heart just like ached as I was kind of going through a lot of these stats. Like, whoa, this is so sad. Um, so let's talk about some of the potential problems. What is the excessive use of technology? What does that, what does that do? Or what can that do if we're not mindful of these things? First of all, attention. And I know I've had school teachers tell me this is an issue. Kids are having a hard time staying focused, paying attention. The net is chipping away from the capacity for concentration and contemplation. Everything's quick and fast. They're short on patience, easily distracted, and they lack listening skills. And this is what we're hearing from educators around the country. Obesity from the sedentary life. So the greater risk of becoming obese are having musculoskeletal issues because they're sitting down at screens and computers all the time. Erosion of creative play. Digital technology robs kids of creative, hands-on play, which is essential for the development of these children. What are they touching? What are they feeling? Changes in how they read. Changes in reading. So skimming is becoming the major way that people are reading now. Because that's what we do on the computer, right? We're scanning that page. We're scanning those pages for information. And that's taking over kind of that deep, thoughtful reading that is so necessary for kids. Now, scanning does one thing. It's good. It really helps us multitasking. So that kind of quickness of that helps us to multitask a bit better. But multitasking actually hampers um, our ability to think deeply and uh, creativity. 
creatively. That's what's saying. I'm thinking about these things. A lot of stuff is increasing, you know, as we kind of look at this. Low academic performance, and this is something we have to be mindful of as parents as we watch our kids, are they falling behind? Uh, because they need like quick attention, uh, they need short, they have short attention, they need to look at things very quickly, it needs to be fast paced. If it's not that, you lose them, they're gone. We kind of deal with some of this in high school too. It's kind of like we need to move them around. If we're going to just sit and lecture them, we're going to lose them. Even though we have good things to say, you know? But it's just that they're not, they're not used to that long-term attention stuff. 57% of teens surveyed agree that social media often distracts them from their homework. It sucks you in. I don't know if any of you kind of get in that space, but it can just suck you in. You know, you do this, and then this, and then this, and all of a sudden, you know, hours gone by, and you just look at nothing. Nothing that grows you or feeds you or, or makes you a better person. Low self-esteem, and I mentioned this before, with an increased anxiety. And if you saw the stats during COVID, those numbers all jumped. Uh, mental health issues. Uh, today, so today is National Suicide Prevention Day. Um, so those, those stats go there. Where people didn't have that interaction with real people, and people who loved them and cared for them, their world was a screen, and it was not good for them. Self-esteem addiction, I call it. And this can make a young person just feel inadequate. I don't measure up. I'm not like that. Increased aggression. Fun video games can lead to aggression. And I don't know if any of you do games or watch games. My son is in the business. So my husband, my husband, my husband, my son creates environments within video games. And that's what he does. So what it looks like, you know, where there's a mountain, where's the room, you know, that kind of stuff. That's what he does. But um, him, as a little boy, we kept our computer running in, in our kitchen area. So when they were on the computer, back in the dialogue days, uh, when he was on the computer, uh, we could see and watch, you know, we know what he's doing, what he's listening to. And we started to notice, and his brother, his older brother, like this gentle giant, you know, his, his big brother was like, he's just a even kill, you know, he's just a great big brother. But we noticed when my younger son would play more violent games, that all of a sudden his aggression towards his brother was tamped up. He'd get mad, he's quick, you know, like he would, and there was this moment, I just remember I'm standing in the kitchen, I'm cooking dinner, and I'm seeing my younger son just like go off on his brother after playing all these games. At that moment, I, I walked over to the, the computer and said, that's it, he lost them all. So any games that were violent at that point, I pulled them, because I see what it's doing to you. I see what it's doing to your relationship with your brother and how it's making you feel. And so we took those all away. And I don't know if you've seen the games today, super, super violent. And they're walking around, you know, killing blood. I mean, it's like, it's really graphic, horrible stuff uh, that's in our video games. And we think that maybe kids are being immunized from, from that violence. Like, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal anymore. Which can also um, keep them from experiencing compassion and caring for others. The thing that's most serious when I look at this thing is it changes the brain. And we know in the first few years of life, the brain is like full trying to form all of their connections and doing those kinds of things. It grows the fastest in those first few years. 
which makes this period the most critical for their language, emotional, social, and motor skills development. They need to be able to experience the world with all their senses. We just say that a, a screen of a ball, it's bouncing, is not the same as holding a ball and playing with it and bouncing it. It's a different experience for the kids. As kids grow and develop, everything they experience affects which neurons get connected to other neurons. Cells that fire together, wire together. Repeated experiences strengthen those connections, shaping a child's behaviors, habits, values, and responses to future experiences. Neurons that are not used or synaptic connections that aren't repeated are pruned away. How kids spend their, spend their time has lifelong ramifications. We're talking about the brain here. And this is like, for me, that was like, this is a, a really scary one. And why we say parents and families and people who love kids this is why we need to be coming in early and having these conversations. Distraction from sleep. So many of the kids, the teenagers, sleep with their phones under their pillow, so they won't miss anything. And they'll get those buzzes, I know. We get those buzzes and they wake up. So what's happening, you're getting all this, this, all this disturbed sleep during the night, never getting a lot of the deep sleep that they need. So then what happens, they go to school the next day, they're not in a good shape. Because they've taken text at you know, 1 a.m., 3 a.m. Um, and you know, sometimes those things don't suck in as well. So Meg, we not just a quick read of text, but I need to respond to that text. You know, so there's that disrupt disruption of sleep, which is really crucial for our healthy growth and development. As I mentioned, depression and mental health, social media is a big contributor to this. Uh, lots of social skills, inability to make real-world friends. So we have all these friends, and a lot of them we never ever met, but they're friends. So what is a friend? Is that something we need to help define, help our kids define? What is, what is a friend really? Is it because they liked one of your posts that now they're your friend? Uh, so it's a good conversation to have with our kids about what friends are. And as we said earlier, you know, they're friends. And so even though the phones, the lush of social skills, because now they're not sitting around the table having a conversation, but they're sitting around the table looking at their phones. And sometimes even texting their friend at the table, right? <laughs> Instead of having a conversation with them. This is diminishing our heart connections and our empathy for others. Cyberbullying, I we're not going to go into that here again. I think that's a good conversation for us to do a round table around later uh, because it is an issue. And let me just mention to parents the cyberbullying is most prevalent ages 12 to 15. 12 to 15, when you see that the most. And then we also just have to mention um, exposure to harmful online content and sexual exploitation. Um, again, so many kids bypass the age verification that they can get into places that the bad guys are. Be mindful of that. But there are some benefits. There are some potential benefits. <laughs> right? Uh, there are some benefits. Um, Woo, good. 
Uh, so techno technological literacy is important to our kids as they're growing up to be able to succeed later in life. So again, we don't want to shut it out and we're like, oh, no, no, it's not for you, because they're going to need this in their world as they grow up. Early access to technology teaches di digital literacy and skills that kids will need for the future. It helps them to be independent learners. They can go and find information just like that. They kids no longer need us to get information because they have it at their fingertips. Our job is to help them discern that information, discern what is true, what is right. I remember when I was doing my, my doctoral thesis, the guy said, you know, a Google search uh, is not necessarily good, good research. Uh, there's some sites that it takes you to just a bunch of thought. And we shouldn't even mention all chat GPT, right? And that's a whole other thing that we should be talking about, and that's a new thing in our world, and how we gotta think about that with technology. But it does help them to be independent learners. How do we help our kids maximize the benefit of this? They're able to scan and get information quickly. Technology allows them to connect with family. I can I can go on Facebook and Facebook on Facebook, we do signal, but talk to my grandkids in Illinois. It allows us to have some connections with people that we don't necessarily get connection with. It promotes socialization with bigger causes around the world. People, you see kids helping do teaching to do teaching tennis in Africa. Something that they would have not had access to a while ago. Increased ability to multitask can lead to faster response times and be able to sift through information quickly. And video games, as much as like I'm kind of very cautious about video games, uh, it can improve the spatial, visual spatial capabilities with our kids and increase attention ability. If you've been with someone who's on a game, right, and you go like, are you checking Ivy? 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 You know, and they just don't hear you. You know, they're just like so in it. So it does, in that space, helps them focus. All right. It helps kids learn to collaborate, take turns. And the good news is for us, no, I have to say, for me, all the people in the group, um, is that web surfing, because it engages so many brain functions, may help older people's brains stay sharp. Which is kind of interesting, it kind of works with the brain a little bit, kind of exercise for the brain. So how do you help kids navigate this world? What does that look like? And there's no like one term, there's no like one easy, right answer here. So I say use the three C approach. Remember, it's not there's not a right way, there's not a right choice, but it's your choice. Think about that. The first one is content. What are they watching? What are they viewing as they watch or click? So know what they're watching, what's on their screens, what they're doing with their time. So what is the content? Because there's some great content out there. How many of you like you had something repair in your house? You go on the internet, they're like, whoa, how do you do that? And then we learn so many good things, right? Um, and so what are they watching? So the content, what is the content? And the second is what is the context? What does it look like? What do the, who else is around in the room? What else does their day look like? Are they getting exercise that day? Have they just come home playing two hours of soccer? They've gotten that physical exercise? What is the context? What, what does their life look like at that point? Uh, is it affecting their bedtimes, nap times, dinner times? Is it affecting their time with friends? That they'd rather go sit in their bed and play video games than go hang out with friends or go out and play? 
Is your child fully attending to the screen with an adult? Are you watching it with them? Are you doing it with them? That's the context. And then I want you to all think about your child personally, because all our kids are different. All our kids are different. Is my child sleeping enough? Are they getting some form of regular exercise? Are they spending time with family? Do they keep in touch with friends? Are they starting to see that kind of get whittled away? Are they invested in school and are they keeping up? Do they spend time on hobbies and extracurricular activities? Look at your child uniquely. And then what you'll do as a family is come up with a plan. This is what it looks like our family to have a healthy relationship with technology. For any screen time, focus on quality. My prayer is that tech will move you from move from being something that drives your family apart to something that brings you together because it can. Important thing is to aim for balance when you're thinking about this. There's time for screens, but not at the expense of physical activity and connecting with people in real time. Kind of think about those two things. Is my kid moving and is my kid connecting with other people? Important to establish a balanced, sustainable relationship with technology. It's kind of like aiming for a balanced diet, right? Sometimes you do really well, and then there's other times like, yeah, it didn't work today. <laughs> you know, my diet was way off today. And it's, that's the same way with technology, right? So there may be days where, like I just like, some days you gotta take a shower. And you just need to distract your kids for a little while. You know, or if you're trying to get dinner ready, it's like, oh, you know, there are days like that. So we recognize that. So it's not perfect, just like finding a balanced diet is not perfect for us. There's no single recipe, so I'm not going to say this is your ABC checklist and do it this way. Remember those three C's, right? Content, context, and your child. Your plan, your family plan, how you talk about tech is going to look different than the person sitting next to you because you are a unique family. Here, I'm just going to go over some quick, like, screen limits. All right. So first, I'm going to say, no screens under two. The American Pediatric Society has chimed in with that. They've recently kind of loosened it a little bit and said, like, well, if you're, like, you FaceTime with grandma and grandpa, you know, those can be good experiences for kids. But remember, the change in the brain, the growth of the brain that young, just no screen time under two. Uh, from two to five, one to two hours a day. Two to five, one to two hours a day. And then six and above, consistent limits on screen time. Engage in media that is active rather than passive. And children uh, at the grade school level will likely be using technology daily on every single day at school. So be mindful of that time. That they're already spending four hours a day on technology when they're at school. So we be reminded of that. Reinforce appropriate use of technology and the benefits for your family. Here's what works. This is what works for us. These are, this is the plan we're going to have so that we can have a healthy relationship with technology. For pre-adolescents, so that 6 to 11, no social media. Just just don't let them go there. There's too much harmful stuff on there and too many people that I she goes, hey, here, hello. Okay, <laughs> so, uh, 
So if you could just make that rule. What I'm hearing now is really no phones before 13. It's kind of what the age that they're talking about a lot right now. Um, you watch it as our kids are getting into that adolescent age to start at the beginning when they're just starting to make, look at social media and kind of doing that stuff, is we want to monitor it much more carefully. So we want to monitor what they're watching. I would say you friend them on their social media accounts. And again, it's not so that you're every day or five times a day you're checking their stuff, but every so often checking, are they okay, are they, are they being safe? We want to move during that period from strict monitoring to mentoring your team. So that they learn how to make their own life decisions about social media. We want to have those conversations early and we want to have them often. So at the time they get to be my age, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of uh, monitoring going on at that point. Because we've already had our conversations long and hard and early enough that she knows how to make wise decisions as she's looking at social media and understanding. We want to be teaching them social media skills and critical thinking skills. There are two good books I have out there about teens and social media. Um, check those out. Those will be a great thing for you to read with your, with your team when they're looking at kind of entering into this world. Um, they're good. And there's another one there, a book on my table called by Kara Powell. Um, an excellent book. So I would say if you want to pick up a couple books, if you have younger kids, pick up Kara Powell's a brown book, look it over out there. Um, it's important uh, that we kind of begin to have these conversations because this is only getting more tricky and harder for us to look at. Uh, all right. Then I'm going to say a few rules here. Keep the TV and internet and connected devices out of the bedrooms. Uh, no, no phones or connected devices at the dinner table. Set aside some spaces where you go, this is a tech-free zone. When we sit down at the dinner table, there's no screens here. You know, most of us can be without our phone for half an hour. I recognize that some of us are on call, and that becomes a different kind of scenario. But I think too many times um, the phones interrupt our conversations with our kids. Talk to our kids about what they're watching. Dialogue what, about what they're seeing. I heard read something today, I think in Brown Book, uh, where she said if their kid feels like they're, they're seeing something unsafe, that they um, screenshot it. Screenshot it and send it to the parent. If something's making you feel uncomfortable, if something you're seeing on the just screenshot it and send it to me. We can have a conversation about it later. Encourage really the privacy piece with your kids. Set social media profiles to private, private, private. Uh, really check those out. One person recommended that you don't have your kids wear headphones when they're online because we want to hear what they're watching. Uh, again, younger, we're a little bit more on top of it. As they grow older and we have good skills, we loosen up on that. There's also, you can set time limits for specific apps. Like this app, you can only be online for this long time. The sheet I gave you, the resource sheet, has all the information on those things. All right. We'll talk about parent controls. And I'm not going to talk a lot about it because I've provided you a resource for that. This is something we can't go into. But I want to say something about parent controls. Parent controls are only good if they are partnered with open communication. You're talking with your kids. You're having these conversations. Remember that limits don't work without love. Boundaries are meaningless without bonding. Correction is ineffective without connection. 
and controls are far beyond old persons. We know that's the case. I remember talking to Susan, she goes, yeah, my daughter could just get around it. You know, I set these in and she just get around it. They're not old persons, all right? And the, the trouble with this too is parents often, because they put monitors or filters or things on their kids' phones, that kids will, they'll kind of stop checking. They're going, hey, I got a I've got, a, I've got an app on my phone, and they can't give me that stuff there. So we stop having those conversations. We stop connecting with our kids in that in that way. I recommend that you, you can part of your kind of thinking about how we do phones and stuff with our kids or, or screens. Um, get that they have to ask permission before they download any apps. Good stuff to do. Location services need to be on so you know where they are. But you want to check all the individual apps and make sure those apps are tracking where your kids are. Uh, you can set uh, restrictions on content, those are things you can do, and app limits. But that's up all of that deal. Really speak a lot about the privacy issue. The privacy piece is important that they have everything is strictly set and those are strict private issues. And all your apps when they download them, it's going to be wide open. You actually have to go in and restrict those. I've given you out there on the table and I put a link to it on your paper, something called online safety cards. It really is a contract that you can talk with kids. This is what I expect. When I do this phone, this laptop, this computer, these are the things that I expect from you in this space. I had a young man who was part of my children's men, I went away to college, and then I get a call and go, hey, I'd like to be your intern this summer. Would you consider that? You know? So I'll check it. So what did I do? I went to social media. I go look at social media, inappropriate stuff on the social media. And I just said, yeah, you can't work with kids. What you put online stays online. The kids' pictures, those, you might think it goes away, like there's a point where you know, the pictures would go away quickly. It was a screenshot and save them. Like, what you put on there stays on there, so just think about that as you post things onto the onto media. There's no magic number in all this stuff of when you need to code. Remember the three C's? But it's hot. But most experts say, delay it. I'm sorry, Carver, but delay it as long as possible. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> that's what they say. That's the expert. You know, I'm just kind of the expert. And then finally, I just want to speak to you parents. Uh, I want you to think about unplugging yourself. <laughs> Unplugging yourself, uh, you have a healthy use of technology yourself. Kids, kids live in a world with grown-ups who seem to be constantly checking their phones or their laptops all the time. That's what they see. They're not only likely to copy our behavior, but they also feel like they have to compete with your device. Nearly half of parents in one study reported technology interfering with it. In interactions with their kids three to four times a day. Do you need to check that email? Do you need to check that text when you're having a conversation with a child? Or your wife? Right? Or your husband? Average smartphone user unlocks their phone 150 times a day. 85% of smartphone users admit to checking their devices while speaking with friends and family. The average time spent on a smartphone by adults is three hours and 15 minutes, and I would bet it's one hour. <laughs> um, 
Think about this. Is the TV on and no one's there watching it? Do you take your smartphone to the dinner table? Have you paused a conversation with your child and look at the text? Know when you're really busy and need to be plugged in and when you don't. Have that conversation in your head there. 28% of teens think their parents are addicted to their phones. 21% wish their parents would spend less time on their phones. Think about setting set boundaries for your work and family time. We're taking your kid up from school, that's a transition time. That's a good time to say, we don't have any phone calls on the way home from school. But that's the time to reconnect. But when you first come home, that's the time to connect. No phones right now, let's spend let's connect when we get to that place. During meals, keep it out. They recommend two hours before bedtime, no screens. During family outings, like trips to the zoo, the beach, wherever you go, your vacation, think about now, this is our time our family's connecting. This is not time we're connecting to the world. So I want you to imagine this. Imagine that when you meet your maker, and you're in a room with a comfy couch, and maybe you have your Starbucks and your pizza, and uh, you're kind of enjoying, and th there's a video of your life. And this is a video of your life when you were fully present, fully attentive. What were you feeling, and who were you with? Think about this. How long? How many scenes will there be of you relishing life to its fullest? I love technology, I use it, I teach online, but I don't want to steal time from my video. I want to be fully present with the people that I love and not let technology get in the way. How long will your video be?